Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Isn't it great to know there's people who's willing to give of their lives so that others can know the gospel, which is really the calling of every Christian. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is the importance of missions. You see, if you call yourself a Christian, you're a missionary. You're a person who cares about other people and other people knowing about Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a little understanding of that this morning because it's an integral part of who we should be as Christians. Jesus prayed this prayer in John chapter 17. Verse 18, he says, just as you sent me, he's speaking to his Father, as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. That's us. That's what he wants to do. That's how he wants to do it. So, why? What's the importance? What's it mean to me? Let me just walk you through this very quickly. First of all, we're a people with commission. There is no doubt about it that, again, once you accept Christ as your Savior, you have a commission. You have a mission. You have something that you are called to do by God, and that is to touch other people's lives. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus explains, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing His work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? What a joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. And so you and I are called to be, in a sense, farmers. What are we to do? We're to go into the world, the world that you live in at this moment, and you and I are called to plant seeds. We're planting called seeds of the gospel. And those seeds can produce a harvest. Second Corinthians 5.18 all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, here it is, of reconciling people to Him. He's given us that task. What are we called to do? To reconcile people to Him. Why were we created? To have a relationship with God. What does God want from all people? He wants a relationship with them, doesn't He? And so what are we called to do? We are called to help people come back and have that relationship with God. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. In other words, your home is not this world, correct? You, you live in another place, a foreign land, here, because our home is in heaven, right? And so, while we're here, we are ambassadors of heaven, come to earth, because God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now, if you'll remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about what's going on in our world today. 
And what's going on is the result of sin, correct? And so what are we called to do? We are called to be an ambassador of God. God placed us here, just as He placed Jesus here in this earth, to do what we could do to help bring people and God together. Your response is overwhelming. That's our purpose. That's one of the things we live. We don't live for us. We don't live so that we can just enjoy our lives and do what we want to do and be who we want to be and just get this and get this and have this and as long as me and mine are taken care of, we're wonderful. No, as a Christian, we have a heart for people. We care about people. And the greatest need of people is to have a relationship with God. And that relationship can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means that we're a people with compassion, that we care about other people, that we don't just go our own way, shelter ourselves in our little life, do our own little thing, but that we have a broader picture and a broader perspective, and we have compassion for people because we care about them. Matthew 9, 36, Jesus When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. (laughs) Now, in the world that we live in today, would you kind of agree with me that there are a lot of people who are really confused? Some of you are even sitting here. No, No fits, no fits. You know, helpless. You know, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They just go their own way, do their own thing. And he said to his disciples, the harvest. What's the harvest? People, right? We've we've already read that. The harvest is great. The workers are few. There's so many people that are helpless, hopeless, confused. There's so many of them and so few workers that are in this harvest. So pray that the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His field. This morning we've heard from a couple who are going into His field in Africa. But today, you and I go into our field in the neighborhoods that we live in and in the places that we work in. We all have a field to work in. And Lord, here I am. There are people who need you. There are people who are lost without you. You care about them. You love them. You want me to try and help them have back a relationship with you. Use me as you can. So there's this compassion. We care about people. You see, we don't get disgusted by people. We have compassion for people. They're lost. They're helpless. They're hopeless. They need a relationship with God. And we care about that. And so part of the understanding here today is, what I'm going to ask you, do you really have a heart for people? Do you care about them? Oh, yeah, I care about them. They need to stop doing this and start doing that. (laughs) Without a relationship with God, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They're lost and hopeless. And so we have this compassion. Why do we have that? Because we have conviction. We're a people with convictions. We, we believe some things really strongly 
that we stand for. And just so you understand, this is who we are as a church. This is who we are as Christians. Biblically, these are the convictions that you and I are called to live by and to live with. Let me give them to you. It's not all of them, but it's some key ones. First of all, we believe that there's a right way of living, which also means there's a wrong way of living, isn't there? You see, we live in a day and time where, hey, you can do what you want to do, be what you want to be, and as long as you're not hurting anybody, and as long as you're just taking care of you, it's fine. No, no, no. There's a right way of living. There's a way of living that you and I are called to live. What is that? Basically, it's this. We are called to live this life in a way that pleases God. That's the right way of living. That's how you and I are called to live. We believe that everybody should be living that life. John 13, 34. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Well, how does the world know we're the disciples of Christ? By the way, we love each other. <laughs> that means we got a lot of work to do, doesn't it? to work at loving people. Because here's the thing, how can you love the people who don't know God if you don't love the people who do know God? So it begins with me loving you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it expands to me loving others, those who do not yet know God because there's a right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Boy, we lose a lot of people there. So that no one can criticize you. Live, notice, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, we are to model and to live our convictions. There's right and there's wrong. Because if you don't live it, you don't have a conviction. You live your convictions. You may not be able to state them for me. You may not be able to tell me what your convictions are. But you don't have to tell me because if I can watch you for a short period of time, I can tell you what your convictions are. And so, we don't need to be offensive with this. This isn't something, I got a conviction, I'm going to go out and make sure everybody knows God, and so I'm going to get in their face, and I'm going to tell them to turn or to burn. And I'm just going to jump all over them and tell them what a horrible person they are. No, we're not judgmental, we're compassionate. Jesus wasn't judgmental with people, He was compassionate with sinners, wasn't He? That's how we're to be with them. People have to know we care about them. That doesn't mean we have to be like them. Because people are attracted to Christ because of our differences, not our sameness. We don't need to be like everybody else. We're different from everybody else. How is that? We love people. We care about people. We live by moral convictions. We love one another. And so, we're to be different. Now, being different and being weird are not the same thing. 
There's a lot of people who say, well, I'm just different. No, you're weird. You're just weird, and that turns everybody off. Well, I'm going to wear my Christianity, you know, and I'm going to do this and that. Okay, but you don't need to go around people. being That turns other people off. How will people come to Christ if we know you care about them and if they know somebody will love them and accept them as they are while living their life but not judging everybody who's not living just like them? By being different but not being critical of everybody else. By having compassion for people that so few people have of really caring. And if there ever is a cry in our nation today, the cry is, do you understand me and do you care? And if anyone should be saying that, it's the church. It's who we are. And so part of our convictions is we believe there's a right way to live. And we're not going to demand that everybody else do exactly what I tell them to do. We're going to live it as a testimony and model it before others so that they become hungry for what God has done in us. And so that they can see Christ in us and so that our lights shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We live like this. No matter what everybody else does, this is who we are, what we are going to do. That's our conviction. There's a right way to live, and I'm going to live it so that you can see it and understand it and know that it can be done. Secondly, we believe Jesus Christ is going to return. Now, I don't know about you, but when all this stuff is going on in this world today, I look around and go, wow, are things getting set up for the return of Christ or not? Look at all that's happening. Look at all that's going on. Man, who would have thought some little disease can shut down the whole world? It can happen. It did happen. So we believe Jesus Christ is coming again. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. I've told you often before, I say it again with tears in my eyes. Hear the compassion? There are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. What's he doing? He's crying over this. He cares about this. They're headed for destruction. It breaks his heart. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But we, we're not like that. We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. It's not, oh yeah, someday He's coming back. No, eagerly. Lord, I can't wait for the day. Long for the day. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Friends, one day, Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. We believe that. The signs point to that. And we cry like the writer here, 
look at what people are doing now and how they're living. They're not ready for the return of Christ. They're not ready for this. They're getting trapped into this world and its emptiness and its shallowness and its anger and its hurt and its hatred. But we, citizens of heaven, look forward to a day, a new heaven and a new earth. This earth is not our home. We're just passing through. This is not our hope. Heaven is our hope. And sometimes we get that confused. Sometimes our hope is, well, we'll just change everything and we'll just get the right people in and we'll just do the right things and oh, won't it be wonderful when that ever happens? If you haven't learned this by now, that's not going to happen. That's not the direction things are going in. One day, Jesus Christ is coming back and we believe He's going to return. We're convinced of it. We believe that we're responsible to work until Christ comes again. So, while I believe He's coming back, I don't just sit back and turn a blind, ear, uh, blind eye and a deaf ear to what's going on. I am aware of what's going on in the culture and in society. I, I believe that Jesus Christ is going to return. I'm not sitting back saying, oh, well, He's coming back, but I, I'm okay. I'm good. And as long as I'm good and me and mine are good, we're good. Now, when I became a Christian, I signed up and was given a task, a job. And that task was, there's basically two things. I am called by Christ to grow up. Some of you are still working on that. Now, let me rephrase that. All of us are still working on that, aren't we? I'm called to mature. I'm called to grow in Christ and to become a better, stronger believer, model of Christ. I'm called to do that. That is a task that I have in my life. And I'm called to care about other people and do what I can to help them know Jesus Christ. That's my job. That's our job. That's what a Christian does. That's who a Christian is. And see, one of the things about Christianity that some people never buy into and don't like, I don't like it when you tell me I got to care about all these other people. I don't even like these other people. For some of you, you don't even like the people in the room. I don't like the people in the house. It loves them all. And so we believe that we're responsible and that I have a task to do what I can so that all people can know Jesus Christ. That might mean that when I'm at work, I live a life, and I'm, when I'm asked about my life, I am willing to share it with somebody. It might mean that I support missionaries so that they can go do the job I can't do. Not going to Africa, can't go to Africa, but I can send some people who are, and I can share in that harvest and I can share in these things. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. That's the growth part, isn't it? That's the part, how I live, that's my goal. 
Well, we must all stand before God and be judged. Now, please understand something. You and I aren't going to be judged for our sins if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. Thank goodness for that. But there is a judgment that comes because of what we've done while we knew Christ. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. So in other words, I'm not guilty for sins. God's forgiven me. But He is going to look at what have I done to help other people know Christ. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we're sincere, and I hope you know this too. You know, we we work hard to do this. We, We want to do this. One day, God will call me into question. What did you do with the relationship that you and I had, and how did you share that with others? So I have a responsibility, not once I know Christ, just to kick back and take it easy. I have a responsibility to, bad word, work work until He comes. Until He comes. Until He comes, we have a job to do. Because here's what we know. Scripture tells us this. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to have everlasting life. That's what He wants. And that's what we should want. And that's part of our task and part of our responsibility. Why? Because we believe that heaven and hell are real places. A lot of people can believe in heaven. Most people don't want to believe in hell. But heaven and hell are real. The Bible talks about them often. Jesus talked about them often. In Matthew chapter 7, notice what he's saying. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to where? To hell. It's the interstate. You can go as fast as you want. It's as wide as you want it. It's broad. It's gates wide for the many. Does God send people to hell? No. Who choose that way? People make a choice, don't they? What's that choice? They choose not to accept Jesus Christ. They've made a choice. So he says, highway to hell's broad, many who choose, they go that way. But the gateway to life, heaven, relationship with God, is very narrow and the road is difficult. (laughs) Would you agree with me that being a Christian isn't always easy? And it's difficult at times doing what's right, isn't it? It's difficult saying no to self and saying yes to God. And a few out of all of humanity, a few find it. A few verses later, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. You see, <laughs> notice what he said, only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter there. On judgment day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. And I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. In other words, there's a lot of people who know about God, but there aren't a lot of people who know God. You see, 
you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ where we know Him. And He knows us. And we grow in that relationship with Him and in that knowledge of Him. And what he's saying here is there are people who say that you, you go to work with, they're not Christians, but they know about God, don't they? And he's going to say, look, I don't know you. I, I know you, but you and I don't have this relationship that I want us to have. And just because you did some things and you thought you were doing it in my name doesn't mean you and I are connected. There has to be a relationship there. And he says, look, there's a lot of people who understand that, look, life is hard and difficult, but you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And those who don't have that relationship, hell is their place in eternity. And those that do have that relationship, heaven is their place in eternity. And God doesn't arbitrarily choose as we just read, you and I make a choice. Every person who's ever lived made a choice. Revelation 20, verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's pretty blunt. Pretty clear. Pretty obvious. So the choice is ours to make. And because we don't want anyone like God to perish, we don't want anyone to go to hell, we will do everything we can to help people know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ so that heaven can be their life throughout eternity. That's our calling. That's who we are. That's our compassion for people. We care about it. And we also believe that God will reward us for the work that we do. Well, pastor, what am I getting out of this? <laughs> well, first of all, it shouldn't be about what you're getting. You do it because you love God and you want to obey Him, right? That's motivation enough, correct? A little louder, please, correct? Yeah, that's motivation enough. This is what God wants. This is who God is. That's what He's about. I want a heart like His. I want to do this for Him because He cares about me and loves me. But the great thing is, He says, you know what? If you'll do this, I'll make sure you're taken care of. Notice what He says. No one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. You can use whatever you want. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Again, you're not being judged for sins. You're being judged for work, correct? Okay? The fire will show if a person's work has any value. For the work that survives, that builder will receive a reward. In other words, if I have done things that God has initiated and God wants me to do, it will stand the test of eternity. But if I'm doing just stuff because I think that's what I want to do and I think this is how it should be done and I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit within me and I'm just doing my thing as a lone ranger because God, here I am, aren't you lucky to have me and I'll do it the way I want to do it. It's just going to get burned up. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. They'll be saved, but like someone barely escaping the flames. Hebrews chapter 11, we've been looking at that over the past few weeks. 
Faith, what is it? Is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Yes, that's faith. It's going to happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Verse 6, and it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. So you and I believe that if we will do what God wants us to do, it will be worth it. And God notices. And He told us in other places, you store up for yourself treasures in heaven. You store those things up and they'll be there when you get there. So this morning I'm going to simply ask you, are you a person who believes in missions? Let me kind of say what I said at the beginning. If you're a Christian, you have to. And maybe you're at a place where you've just kind of been taking care of yourself and just gotten, it's easy to get shut in and shut up and thinking only about me and mine. And we lose heart. We lose focus. Because as the days glow closer and closer to the return of Christ, our work should increase with it, right? What we do. So there's a couple ways to be involved in this. One of them is very obvious. Usually we pass out a missions card and have you make a commitment for some months and you say, I'm going to give this to missions. And because of the scenarios that we find ourselves in, it's just not easy to do that. But in your heart and in your mind, would you say, you know what, for the next six months or so, I'm going to give this much money to missions because these folks can't go if money isn't there. How will they go unless they're sent? We're in the sending business. And so what can you give sacrificially above your tithe to say, I'm going to do this, give to the church's missions program. You have a list there. I don't know if you picked one up when you walked in. You can pick one up when you walked out. Those are all the missionaries and missions groups that we support on a regular basis. And so we take that, the resources and fund those and, and projects and do everything we can do for that. So that's one way to do this. And it's an important way because it's necessary. It's what the church is about. Now, uh, just to be honest with you, I've had people criticize me because, Pastor, why are we sending money all the way around the world to Africa when there's so many people at home? You know, why don't we just do stuff here locally? Take it all here. Well, because here isn't the center of the universe. Because we care about the people here, but we also care about the people there as well. And if you get limited in your focus and you only care about the few people around you, you've lost sight of God died for, God sent Jesus Christ in this world for the whole world. And he cares about the whole world. And we should too. Secondly, do you have a heart of compassion for people that are lost? Do you care about that? Does it kind of gnaw at you sometimes? It's easy to look at the stuff going on and be critical of people. It's a lot harder to look at it, cry over it, and care about it. In 
maybe you need God to soften your heart and say, Lord, help me to have a greater compassion for people who don't know you and help me to live my life in a way that my light can shine where I'm at, that I can love people and do what I can to help people know you. Maybe that's where you're at today. But either way, would you just take a moment and I'm going to pray and we'll, we'll go. God, would you help me to have a heart for missions, for people, for people who don't know you, and for those who are lost. Would you help me not to be selfish? Would you help me not just to care about only a few? For some of you, you've got people in your family who aren't Christians, and you care about that, I hope. God, would you give me that same compassion for other people that I don't even know, but you do, and you care for. Father, this morning, you've called us to be missionaries. You've called us to care about those who don't know you. Oh, they know of you. They'll use your name, but they don't know you. Lord, would you help us to have compassion? Would you help us to understand that we have a responsibility to help others know? Would you help us to do what we can where we are? Would you help us to be willing to sacrifice so that others can know about you that we'll never see, but you have a heart for and Jesus died for? And so, Lord, today, would you help us in our walk with you to have a heart like you that cares about people. Jesus Christ came into the world so that all that believe in him would have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave. Help us to give our lives today, I pray. Thank you for giving us a task to do. Help us to be faithful in it, I ask. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.